Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. back in Romans chapter 8 today and we're going to talk about Jesus and uh, how all the things that he's done through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about Romans chapter 8 and we looked at the first four verses. I kind of want to go back to verse 4 again today for just a minute but remember the whole book of Romans is really in verse 16 and 17, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, of Christ, for it's the power of God, the salvation to everyone who believes. And in verse 17, here's the key verse. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, it's just sheer faith. The only way you're saved is through sheer faith. And so last week, we've spent a couple of weeks kind of introducing this section of Scripture and we've kind of talked about that, the fact that he says in verse 1, he says, There is now no condemnation, therefore, to those who in Christ Jesus. Therefore, based on everything we've looked at up for the last seven chapters, it's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because why? We're in Christ Jesus, right? That's what Paul says 160 times, and he uses that term for people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who ask him to forgive them and ask him to save them on the basis of that faith that we talked about, by just faith and faith alone. Unfortunately, a lot of people believe in faith plus something, or just they think they can work their way into heaven. It's faith plus communion, or faith plus baptism, or faith plus good works, or faith plus something else or do this or don't do that but that's what religion says when Jesus died on the cross what was the last thing he said it is finished it's complete it's done right and so he says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and we said that next section this is true but it's but there's no conditions added to it because somebody just added that in there who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit that actually is in verse 4, but that's what we need to have in this section. Verse 4, we need to cut it out of verse 1, but put it back in verse 4. Somebody just added that note, and, it, and that's definitely true. We don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. But it's not a condition of knowing Jesus Christ and having no condemnation. 
And then he said, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus, verse 2, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you shall be what? Free indeed, right? And so then he goes on and he, he sets us free not to, because before we knew Christ, we couldn't keep the law, right? But now that we know Christ, we can keep the law because the spirit of life has given us the ability to do that. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about that today just before we move to verses 5 and 6. And that's probably about as far as we'll get 5, 6, and maybe 7. But he says in verse 3, For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the count of sin. In other words, there was nothing wrong with the law, but what? The reason we can't keep the law is because of the weakness of our flesh, right? That's why we need God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be saved. And then he says that Jesus did that. He came in the likeness of human flesh. He wasn't a sinner. He never was, never did become a sinner. But the Bible says he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And in verse 4, this is where we want to just spend a minute longer and then we'll move on to verse 5. He says that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now that's the right place for that to be this time. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. We don't walk according to the flesh. We talked about it last time that what does that word walk mean? We remember the old saying, you can talk you can talk the talk, but can you what? Walk the walk, right? And walk means just the habit of life, the way you live, the things that you do, the things that you don't do. When people look at your life, they look to see, does your life match up with this, right? And if it matches up with this, then we can say pretty certain if we've asked Jesus Christ to tr forgive us and save us, that we are matching up with this, that we are believers, and people we're looking at are believers, right? So we walk in that way. And then he says, we do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And what did we say last time? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, I tell the guys at the jail sometimes, you can do that all day long. You can do these things all day long. And guess what? You can't get locked up for them. <laughs> you can practice love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, and temperance. And you won't get locked up for those. But when you do the opposite of that, guess what? You get locked up. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is kind of what I wanted to talk about. The reason we're able to do this, and he says that the righteousness requirement of the law may be fulfilled in us is because in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if any man, that means man or woman, mankind, anybody, man, woman, boy or girl, has, has trusted in Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. The old things are passed away, what? Behold, all things are new, right? And so we're new creations. And that's the reason we're able to walk in newness of life, right? And that's what he talks about in Romans 6. He says you've been died with Christ, you've been buried, and you've been raised to walk in newness of Christ. That's what the baptismal formula is all about. 
In Ephesians 2.10, we remember 2.8.9 says, For you've been saved by grace through faith. It's not a works, it's the gift of God, lest anyone should boast, right? But we always forget about verse 10. It's one of those orphan verses that says, For we are God's workmanship created to do good works. The whole reason he saves us, the whole reason he changes us is because we are created to do good works, right? And that's the only way we're able to do it. And then Titus 2.14 says, God has purified for himself a people for his own possession who are defined as zealous for good works. We are defined as zealous for good works. Titus 2.14 says, God has purified for himself a people for his own possession he says, who are defined as zealous for good works. In other words, we have a want to, a desire, right? Jeremiah 31 verse 33 talks about, he, this is my covenant I make with the house of Israel. I'll put my law within them and on their heart, I'll write it and I'll be my God. They will, I will be their God and they will be their people. And then he talks about putting his law in our heart, right? And when he does that, what does that do? It makes us want to live the Christian life. And Ezekiel says in chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you, right? I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh or a tender heart. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That's where it says, if we are truly saved, we are truly converted, we have a changed life. And that's what the scripture says very clearly. First John talks about that over and over and over again. One spot he says those that know Jesus Christ, basically they purify themselves, right? They love the brethren. They obey God. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say do? So basically what I'm trying to say here is that when we are saved, God forgives us and saves us. I had a piece of paper I didn't make copies of it maybe I'll bring some copies next week for some of y'all that are that are interested but the moment we're saved we got a new condition right we've been set free we got a new life a new power a new future we have a new nature we have a new standard we have a new goal for living like Jesus Paul said press on towards the goal towards the prize right and we have a new hope and a new future, right? And that's the bottom line is because we know Jesus Christ, all things are new. The old things are passed away. We have really two classifications of people. And that's what Paul talks about right here in the last part of verse 4. He talks about those that do not walk according to flesh, but according to spirit. Excuse me. And in verse 5, he says, For those who live according to flesh set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to spirit, the things of the spirit. So there's two classifications of people. There's those who walk by the spirit and live by the spirit and trust God and live by the things of God. And then there's those people who live by the flesh. You know, God really doesn't divide people up. I guess in the Old Testament, he used to call them... Uh, he called us all, Jew, they were either Jews or Gentiles, right? The Jews or the Greeks. Everybody was classified that way. But really what he was saying was God's people and the people that weren't God's people 
That was the way it was supposed to be. But nowadays, the way God divides people, he never divides us by race, religion, sex, or anything else. He says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we're all one in Christ, right? But what does he do? That doesn't mean there aren't differences in us, but what does he do? He divides us by the saved and the unsaved, those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ, those who are in the flesh and those who are in the spirit. So let's talk about that in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So what does he say here? First of all, there's two people, those who walk according to the flesh and those who walk according to the According to the Spirit. He says this is a classification of believers and non-believers, right? And it's based on what? First of all, their mind, right? And here's the bottom line with, with the whole world. Everything starts right here, right? Second Corinthians 10 talks about that. To bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, right? that it all starts right here. He says in Colossians, those that set their mind, set your mind on things that are above, not the things that are below. And fix your eyes on Jesus and all those things. What our mindset is supposed to be is a spiritual mindset. And what is the verse in Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? What is your heart? It's not this thing. He's talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? I mean, that's, if you say, hey, you know, I'm just a no good nothing or whatever. I can't do this and I can't do that or I'm going to fail. Guess what? That's what's going to happen, right? Because you just have given up. And that's why I don't like some of these AA programs and stuff where people go to them. And they say, hi, I'm Marty. I'm a drunk, you know. No, hi, I'm Marty. I'm a new creation in Christ. I used to be a drunk. But now I'm a new creation in Christ, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we need to realize what's up here is what comes out, right? And that's why it's so important, as Paul says in Romans 12, when we get to that section, he'll say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? renewing of your mind that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We got a new will, a new way, a new disposition. I uh, look at some of these people that I've known in the past. We've run across, there's a guy named Paul at one of the nursing homes that's got the nastiest attitude and the nastiest mouth. I've been praying for him to get saved, right? There was another guy named Frank that was one of the nursing homes and he just, he had the nastiest attitude and he wasn't as bad as Paul was because he didn't have that filthy mouth and wouldn't say all the things to you. But one day he got saved and what happened? His disposition changed, right? I mean, he, he still had some problems. I remember one of the ladies that was 96 years old over at John Wesley. And she, if you looked up the dictionary, the word mean, her picture was next to it, right? And she got saved one day 
after that, she smiled and sang, and yeah, she had her moments, but there was a whole different person, right? And that's what happens is the moment we get saved, the moment we trust Christ, we begin to take our minds off the things of this world, the things of the flesh, and we begin to live for the things of God, right? And here's the problem, you know, why, why is today so much what's, what's supposed to be right, they call it wrong? Why are all our leaders, why are these people that are supposedly know what they're doing, why is all this stuff going on? It's because they don't have a, a Christian mind. And they can't make good decisions based on that. What does Romans 1 say? All the way back there, he says, you know, because they wouldn't glorify God, nor were they thankful, God gave them up to vile passions. He says he gave them up to do those things which are not a fit, and we just passed all these homosexuality laws. And then the next thing he says is, is, is he did what? He gave them up to do that which was fitting because he gave them over to a debased mind, a mind that was tried and found not fitting. Their mind is worthless, is what God says. They, their mind was tested. It spoke of testing metal to see whether it had any value or not. And that word means that their mind was tried, it was tested, and guess what? It was found to be worthless. And the reason these people have worthless minds, and you say, why can't these people figure this stuff out? Why can't they do what's right? Why can't they do what's, what's the good thing? Because they've got a depraved mind. They've got a messed up mind because they don't know Jesus Christ. That's the reason we go and minister to so many people in these treatment centers now. There are so many people locked up in these treatment centers. So many people addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so many people that we go and over in Georgia Regional and Coastal Harbor now and the kids and adults. That's the reason they're like that is because mindset they don't know the lord and so their mind is just messed up and so the mental faculties are just not there that's why they call everything a disease nowadays you know the psychologists and the psychiatrists say everything's a disease right i was trying to remember that little ditty somebody wrote a little poem or a song or something and it says when i was Three, I dropped my dolly and that's why I kicked the cat or something and you know I did this and this happened to me when I was two and when I was six and, and that's why I do this now and, and it finally the thing ends and it says the one thing I've learned is it's always somebody else's fault right but isn't that what happened in the garden Adam says the woman you gave me God so it was the woman's fault and God's fault right and then the woman said the serpent you know, deceive me, and the poor, and the, well, I won't say the poor serpent, but the serpent, he didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> That's an old joke, so <laughs> anyway, old corny joke, but the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on because, because he was guilty, but all of them were guilty, right? But everybody was blaming somebody else, and that's the way it always is. And so unfortunately, the mind's either set on the flesh or it's set on the spirit. And the only way you can have a renewed mind, the only way you can have a, a mind that thinks right things and does right things and says right things is if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right? It's a whole different mindset that we have as Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not things below. 
And he talks about 2 Corinthians that the natural man cannot understand the things of God. They're foolishness to him. But he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And that's why people go, all this religion stuff is stupidity. They don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't, they want to do what's wrong and they don't understand. Verse 6 says, but to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So look at this. He says to be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded. That's the same thing he's saying there. In other words, to be, have your mind set on the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, as First John says, don't do not love the world or the things in the world. For all this in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, right? Isn't that how the devil hit Adam and Eve? He came to Eve, and she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. It was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is it was good to make one wise. And he came along and hit Jesus the same way in the desert, remember? He says, turn this bread, this stone into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. He was 40 days, he was hungry. 40 days he fasted and he was hungry. I'd have been hungry too. I'm hungry after a few hours, not 40 days. But, and then he says, jump off this building. God will catch you. You're so important. That's the pride of life. And then the lust of the eyes was, look at all this. If you bow down and worship me, you can have it all. The devil has three ways of hitting us every time. And that's what these people focus on. That's why the world, that's why, that's why we got iPhones and iPads and Facebook and all these I, 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 you know. Somebody called this the new millennium because it's all about me, right? It's not the millennium, it's the millennium. But what does he say? To be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. He doesn't say it causes death, even though the Bible says this wages of sin is death. What does it say? It says it is death, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, right? But to be carnally minded is death. In other words, Ephesians 2, 1 says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? But God, who was rich in mercy, by grace you have been saved through faith, has made us alive together with him, right? So we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but he's made us alive. Why are we dead? Because we don't have the spirit of Christ in us, right? That's what happened when God said in the garden you're going to die. He, he meant ultimately, yes, you're going to die physically, but the first thing that happened was they died spiritually. They died spiritually. They lost the God part of them. And that's why from then on, everybody begins to seek out fulfillment in all kinds of worldly things. That's why we don't do anything, why we can't do anything but wrong things. Not that some of us are that bad, but we can't do the right, all the right things we want to do. The things I want to do, Paul says, I don't do, and the things I... I don't want to do, I do those, right? There's nothing pure and good and holy in us. And so basically that's all we can do. Think about this. A person that's dead, you can kick them, you can beat them, you can whip them, you can tell them to get up, you can tell them to do anything, right? And they can't do anything. And that's basically where we are before we know Christ. But the moment you trust Christ, guess what? You're alive. And that's what he talks about here. 
Look at the last part of verse 7. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life, what does that mean? It means we're alive to God. We've been made alive. We now have God's spirit living in us. We are alive now. And when God prompts us, we can now sing praises and hymns and we can produce the fruit of the spirit because we're alive. We're alive to God without fear. We don't have to fear anymore because once we die, we know that we're headed to heaven, right? And then we also have peace. What does that mean that we're at peace with God? What did Romans 5, 1 say? He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, you have what? Peace with God. And because you have peace with God, guess what? You get the peace of God, right? You get peace because the Bible says I was an enemy and a sinner, but now I have peace with God. What did Jesus say? He said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly, right? I've come that you might have joy, that you might have peace. And so we have a living communion with God. That's what makes Christianity different from, from all other religions. Because religion says, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, and you'll go to heaven. But Jesus says, it is done. It is finished. It is complete. Now you believe and trust in me. And you go to heaven on that basis, right? Believe that I'm God. Believe I died in your place. Believe I died for your sins. And ask me to forgive you on that basis. And whoever believes in me shall be saved, right? Not Might be, not hope so. Not if you believe and be baptized. Not if you believe and do this. But if you believe. Believe means to trust, right? I believe that God died in my place. And I'm trusting in him to take me to heaven. We have a living communion. See, all these other things are a religion, but Christianity is a relationship with a living God. We sing that song, what a friend we have with Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what needless sorrow. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not take everything to God in prayer. See, we got such a great friend in Jesus. In the garden, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share, the only part I don't like, no, none other has ever known. All other Christians have known. <laughs> but, you know, that's the bottom line is if we're Christians, we have that communion, we have that life, we, doesn't have, that, we have that peace. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems in this life because Jesus says in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, right? He said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer. But you know what? The bottom line is, is we have permanent peace with God, joy. We have an inner assurance that all is well and nothing can ever change our eternal relationship with the Lord. I mean, remember when 9-11 happened and I was working and they wouldn't let us leave the business. I don't know why they wouldn't let us go home to our family. They made us stay there. You know, we had to stay at work, but all we did was sit there and watch the stuff on TV, right? But one guy's going back down to my office and he says, well, there's just no hope in the world. And, you know, aren't you scared? And I said, no, I'm not scared. You know, I wasn't scared because... Hey, if I die today, I'm going to heaven. So I don't have to worry about it. Basically, 
that uh, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, but to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. And Galatians 5.21 talks about all the bad things people are doing, anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, things like that. And Paul says, I'm telling you, verse 21 of Galatians chapter 5, those who practice those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So two, two lessons and we'll quit today. Number one, do we desire for the Lord, live for the Lord, or do we desire to live for the world? And if we desire to live for the world, then that tells us that we're not saved. But if we desire to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, even though we don't do it perfectly, that tells us that we have a new inner part to us we have the holy spirit in us that if we've asked god to forgive us and save us then we're going to live for the lord none of us do that perfectly do we <laughs> i wish we could even if the great apostle paul who had been saved for 30 years when he wrote the book of philippians and he says i have not arrived i have not attained i have not made it but i i, I have not grasped it yet but i reach forward to the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, the same Paul that said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do those, right? That's the same Paul. Even though he was the greatest, probably the greatest Christian who's ever lived, he couldn't do it. And if he can't do it, but that doesn't mean we don't keep trying though, right? That's why Paul said, I continue to reach forward for the prize. That word reach forward is the word where we get to stretch a muscle to the limit. It means we give it all we got, right? And then lastly, the question is, is, is our destination heaven or is it hell? Because the old saying, the old song says, not everybody talking about heaven is going to heaven, right? But the way we're going to make it to heaven is if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's so simple, a little child can do it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, unless you become like a little child, right? What does a little child do? They jump on you, expect you to catch them, right? You're not even looking at them. They expect you to catch them. They expect you to protect them. They expect you to trust them. Why? But uh, to, to take care of them, why? Because they trust you, right? And that's what God says about us, that we're just to trust God so completely that he said he sent his son and he died in our place and he died for our sins. And there's nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. As the old song says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Not 90% of it. But sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes me white as snow. Well, let's pray and we'll close. Father, we love you and thank you and praise you for who you are. We ask that you would just uh, continue to speak through this word that's been spoken today. And help us to remember those things that were pleasing to you, Lord. If there was anything said that wasn't pleasing to you, just re remove it from our minds, Lord. If there's one here that doesn't know you today, I pray today they'd cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Save me. I'm turning from my sins and turning to you. And you said whoever calls on you in faith and takes you at your word and believes that you will do what you said you would do, then today you will forgive them and save them. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.